Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dimzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. NFC South carries on. We got the two teams that are perceived to be the favorites here, Andy. And I'm going to stick with the theme that we got into in the last NFC South set of pods, which is based on the weakness of schedule of all of these teams, it is entirely possible that someone could surprise. It is entirely possible that this, uh, you know, kind of perception of the NFC South being a terrible division, people will kind of convince themselves, well, look at all these, they're, they're all winning games. They're, they're beating other teams. Maybe they're not as bad as we think. Um, and I, in one of these two teams that we're going to talk about today in Atlanta or New Orleans is probably is, you know, realistically going to have a top three seed. <laughs> it's just likely that they're going to beat out the winner of the NFC North. Just, you know, yeah, considering say, who, what's going on there. North so the four seed in that case, like if there's a situation where last year, remember we had a Minnesota Vikings team that was like a true blue fraudulent, no way this is good as their wins, but there they are, the three seed. And, you know, it's straightforward path of the Super Bowl. They only got to win a couple games. Uh, it's probably coming from this division. And I think it's the team we're going to talk about first. But a lot of my perception is colored by price. And I think that's important to keep in mind because it's this is going to be a a bull uh, on the Falcons podcast from me. But I want you to kind of keep that in mind that that this is all relative to the way they're currently being priced. And I think if you made me pick, what's the most likely team that's going to come from you know second choice and surprise, win double digit games, 11, 12 games, and be the third seed? think the Falcons are, are realistically that team because of the additions they made in the offseason. Where are you on these guys? Yeah, and it's a weird spot, too, because in, you know, just kind of taking the taking a step back and looking at the division as a whole, um, you know, just like you mentioned, we have this uh, everybody can win it. Anybody with their soft schedule, anybody who turns into the team that wins their coin flips that year can win like 11, 12 games. The Falcons are a little unique compared because, like we said, hey, Tampa Bay, very good roster outside of quarterback. If we get, like, 2000, what what was it, 2001 Baker or whatever his best year was, like, if we get the best Baker we get. I don't think it was 2001. (laughs) Although he has come down significantly since, uh, you know, the uh, the – well, that's a thing. I don't, you don't need like yeah. a top ten quarterback. Like if you can get if you can get middle of the road play, like you win, you can probably win the division. Sure. We said the same thing about Carolina. Like they're further away, but they have good pieces at a few different spots. Agreed. And if they if they have you know if they've truly hit on a true number one franchise quarterback and he starts <laughs> his ascension right away, they can win the division. Uh, the <laughs> Saints are a pretty good team. We won't get to that too much right now because we're going to talk about them later, but. If everything goes right, they probably have the best quarterback. Not saying we're huge Derek Carr guys, but sure, it's likely an upgrade, uh, especially considering how easily he fits into the system here. Mm-hmm. And again, if Derek Carr plays well, this division is probably theirs. Whereas I don't think I need very much out of Desmond Ritter. 
to win this division. No. It's, it's, it's set up in a very odd way, and I think that's kind of what I want to focus on today. I will say quick, because we forgot to mention this off the top. We recorded this on 8-3. You're listening to something that's like two weeks old. So if Alvin Kamara is in jail and, you know, like <laughs> a bunch of people we mentioned yeah. are hurt, he's not going to jail. He, yeah. he cleared the charges. We're waiting to see what the suspension is. We'll get to that in the Saints. Yeah, you, see, you, should be, you should be more like if, if Michael Thomas had his leg amputated or something. Because that's, that's probably – that's. Now it's not gonna, probably going to happen, but like that's in the in the uh, in the realm of possibility. Yeah, but anyway, this is pre-recorded, so if we talk about some guy highly and he like hey, these assholes, did they not know he tore his ACL? You know what we, we should don't, be doing because we're from yeah. the past. We should be talking about it if Taylor Heineke steals Desmond Ritter's job because Desmond Ritter continues to throw behind Kyle Pitts, who's getting wide open. <laughs> then uh, maybe that's maybe really what we need to qualify this for Atlanta. But no, two. I got yeah, two let's, let's get off. Let's get off from the left field. I got on an this. easy. Go ahead, go ahead. I got an easy question for you and a hard question for you. Or at least a short question and a long question. The short question is, do the Falcons have the best coach in this division? I haven't seen it, but I'm I'm willing to buy into it considering what he had to work with. I mean, I I would say there's they have the best coach, and by the end of the season, we might say it's with margin. I'm Bullish enough on Reich that okay that he did a great job putting Sanders. together assistance, but I have no idea if Reich is actually any good. No, it's uh, <laughs> again get that guy get that guy a good quarterback for a few years, and I'd like to see what he can do. But uh, possible, it's very okay. possible. I okay. loved what he did, especially his last year in Tennessee. Okay, here's a trickier one then. Um, is there a quarterback in the NFL under less pressure than Desmond Ritter? this season i mean i still think he i think that's a bit of a maybe a a bit of a fallacy okay because it's they they did bring in you know a quarterback who started as recently as last year a few sure. games like, like not more than a few games if they brought in an insurance policy that said, like if this season goes sideways, I'm not so sure about the insurance policy. Like, I'm not sure if I like that move. I guess it's good to have it, but I don't mind just starting Ritter for the whole 17 anyway. Because if it goes sideways, yeah, hell with it. Like, let's yeah. get a high, a high draft. You're paying him. Just... You're paying him backup money. Yeah, they've had this. They've won seven games four of the last five years. It's mm-hmm. not a benefit to a, a team that's rebuilding. Like, if if two of those years they could have won three or four fewer games and mm-hmm. gotten the top five pick rather than, you know, I'm I'm not saying like Pitts, London, Bijan are going to be bad players, but you could have been a little bit higher in the draft. And there's so much upside in the top five for some of those positions you mm-hmm. needed to really build upon. So, uh, I'd love to. I'd love to see this really, really go downhill quick. If if it just doesn't start well and this offense isn't working. Okay, so I think. So I mean, I, I, I think the yeah, answer maybe is, that's the yeah. case, and he doesn't have a ton of pressure on him. And also, yeah. it's not a pass first offense. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's that's kind of my point. How the, yeah. How the so scheme is gonna. He's gonna be asked to do the least. Yeah. He's gonna be asked to do the least. He's got an extremely favorable set of opponents. Um, he's getting paid replacement level money 
as it is because he was a third round pick. Uh, it's like, you know, he's getting the chance to show off his stuff to where even if it doesn't work out, he's probably got a backup job somewhere, right? Like there's no reason that you're taking John Wolford over Desmond Ritter if Ritter, you know, gives you any kind of a meaningful stat line this year. So it's like he he's going to be, a you know, his his worst case scenario, I feel like if this completely fails, is still he's going to be a backup somewhere and he's going to be getting paid about the same thing he is. He may have a long backup career. Who knows? But well, yeah, uh, his yeah. his final season at Cincinnati, the 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 Notre Dame game, just how they compose themselves down the stretch. Yeah. Honestly, even even how he looked at a really big spot at the end of that season, like yeah, that buys him some credibility for sure. a couple of jobs. I mean, you're sure. right. But like, hey, the, this is a guy uh, we've seen yeah. do it at at a high enough level that we're willing to, you know, maybe Atlanta just didn't know how to unlock him. People talk yourself in sure. that all the time. Sure. So I think that's you know the downside of what happens this year for Desmond Ritter is is not that big of a deal. I don't think. I mean, maybe his dream of being a ten year starter is over, but whatever. Like. I think realistically where he was drafted, what he's being compensated at, he really only has upside if he performs well. And he doesn't, he's not going to be asked to do much. And he's got a lot going right, right for him and that he's not behind a makeshift offensive line. He doesn't have to succeed in the face of adversity, really. He's got weapons, premier weapons all around him. Skill position group is just first round, first round, first round, first round. Top, oh, excuse me, top 10, top 10, top 10. You got a top ten running back, top ten tight end, top ten wide wide receiver one. Like they was, this all, is, was it all whew, the eighth pick? Uh, no, what, Pitts was what four. Was, Pitts was Pitts, four. four. Pitts was four. Yeah. London eight, Bijan eight. Right? Yeah. So yeah. you got you got top ten pedigree all around you. You got top ten offensive line in front of you, and you got good scheme and you know kind of quarterback friendly scheme uh, that you're at being asked to run. So I really don't think it's crazy that Ritter at least gives you. You know, kind of a, a pretty decent, you know, decent chill performance. And, you know, you just, you really just need him not to turn the ball over three times a game. And I think that's, you know, he showed you an ability to do that last year. The last time I remember a situation like this where a guy came in with that nothing was expected of him on a team with some pretty darn good pieces, investment invested around him, good offensive line, good defense, you know, some veterans on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, was Jalen Hurts when he was handed the keys after what? Starting four year, four games the year his rookie year. You see, he starts the last four games. They hand him the keys. People are like, "Really? You're going to give the keys to Jalen Hurts, the second round guy on this team?" And what does he do? Took him to the playoffs. <laughs> and a lot of the time in that season, people were very critical of him. They're like, this guy's not the answer. He doesn't have the goods. He's not a first round pedigree. A lot of people doubted him. Uh, ultimately, he stunk in the playoffs against the Bucks, and then the net following year, after getting all those reps, after getting his playoff stinker out of the way, the rest is history. Guy was able to, you know, punch himself a hundred million dollar uh, contract in the NFL, and I think that is sort of the upside for Ritter if this works. And I think in general, what the Falcons did this offseason was try to copy the Eagles' playbook. Let's go out and get a bunch of defensive veterans. Let's fortify our secondary. Like, we'll just get warm bodies who have proven track record of producing defensively, and we're going to put them at every level of the defense to complement, you know, the guys we have who we believe in, which was two. <laughs> so they had two starters, effectively, in defense, and Grady Jarrett and uh, A.J. Terrell, who you would want to build around, and they did it all through free agency around them. 
And yeah, and they are yeah, probably we'll it's, it's seven seven or eight replacements. Yeah, on last year's defense, like it yeah. is a full ass overhaul because it's crazy because a lot of the names they've got aren't even that good. Yeah, but it's like, well, this is better than what you had, or the other guy's gone. So, I mean, it, it is a very yeah. new look on this defense. It has upside. Obviously, it's it's harder to prognosticate that sort of stuff when you're dealing with a whole bunch of new names, mm-hmm. and you also probably have question marks about the scheme. Because sometimes it's hard to tell if a scheme is good or bad when the talent is so low, and you just see bad results, and it's hard to tell what uh, you know what the root cause is. But for the most part, we I think we're in agreement. It's just it was a distinct lack of talent at all three levels, and you know we we've yet to see what this looks like. But it should be upside there. And then, like I was starting to talk about at the beginning, I don't, and I want your opinion here. I don't know exactly if it's going to be the, you know, I, I do know it's not the Eagles path. Like this is not Jalen hurts. It's close, but they, they seem really, really bound and determined to just be this, this team that is maybe a little more run first and it's 2023 and you know, the analytics community and a lot of people would say that's probably not as efficient, but when you have an offensive line, that's, good at it and those numbers there's a lot of double counting you say hey this this uh, offensive line is really good at uh, pass blocking or rush run blocking it's like well it's just good scheme and good players as well that are helping that those numbers out but it all kind of builds and like you've you've created this monster where it's like uh i believe i i can't remember where i read this i'm gonna find i think it was the, the almanac the almanac finally came out but they were one of four teams who had a better rushing DVOA than passing DVOA. And they said, basically the other team, the other three teams weren't that good at running. Their passing was just that fucking bad. (laughs) And like, they were, this is a very good run scheme. And they, they found, you know, where was Algier taken third round? Mm -hmm. They, They made him work. They made a wide receiver work. Obviously more teams are starting to find players of, you know, cut from that same cloth. That's, have, uh, could do have, found, have yeah. found that kind of role and been, yeah, been a multiple like that. And, you know, they had a, uh, uh, despite kind of the ineffectiveness he was showing at times, you had a good scrambling running quarterback and, and you just you really made it work last year. And then you add, like, if they would have gone out and like drafted another wide receiver, I'd been like, all right, they were doing that because. That's they just didn't have it at wide receiver. They didn't have it at quarterback. They're like, all right, this is what we're going to do to get through this year. But by going and go drafting a really good running back that high, it really makes me worried. It's just going to be like, do you need a wide receiver too when you only have one receiver on the field? Like, do you really need someone behind? You know, behind your wide receiver one when you're running a 31 offense at 22, <laughs> like you have a couple good tight ends. And obviously, you know, anybody I just listed who's running backs or uh, a slash player can line up in line as a tight end as well. And I think, you know, I, I think that might just be the plan going forward. And it might not be the stupidest thing because we've talked about this multiple times. Teams are getting smaller and faster on defense. Yeah. 
They want to play this, you know, these two high safeties. They want faster linebackers, smaller linebackers, more people who can cover pass routes out in space, even outside line, you know, even, you know, guys who are primarily edge rushers in some schemes. It's like, well, we need a guy who can do that, but he also be, has to be able to drop and cover running back a, mm-hmm. a lot more effectively than we used to ask of some of these people. And if everyone's getting smaller and eight in the box weighs 200 pounds less than it did five years ago, mm. I, fuck it. I guess we're we're going to zig when they zag and be a running team. That's kind of the far out left field conspiracy theory. But no, I, think no, the, I don't the think more, so the, at all. No, I, I think it holds water. Yeah. The, the more the more likely somebody kind of, had to do somebody, it. Yeah. I mean, Why not them. Somebody, somebody, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that would be the fun part of like yeah. if we get halfway through the season or like, Holy shit. Like your head coach looks like Hodor from Game of Thrones, but <laughs> motherfuckers playing chess. And this this crazy, you know, we got three running backs, but two of them can run routes at a high level. Even Algiers is a good enough receiver. Like you can run some really confusing yeah. misdirections, some pre-snap oh, yeah. motion. You can do a lot of crazy stuff. And honestly, what Bijan's Bijan's ceiling is Christian McCaffrey. Of course, like, like that's you could have that. No, it's right it's now. higher than that. Well, I I mean that that type of player at that type of level. Okay, uh, I think I think a healthy Christian McCaffrey looks a lot different in our eyes than the actual. I'm saying like Christian McCaffrey, 17 games a, a year. Okay, I would have said like, his ceiling is more like Ladainian Tomlinson, maybe Adrian Peterson. I mean, really, like that's the level of talent you're talking about. I don't here, know how and... he gets that many carries. Well, I don't yeah, know we'll if he gets. I don't we'll know see. if he gets to a thousand yards this season. We could be very, very impressed with this guy, and he has like nine hundred yards. Yeah, because there's so many mouths to feed for the just. If they want to, I mean, if he if he gets a thousand, twelve hundred yards, then I don't know. Algiers hurt, or they just decided, hey, we're going to stop using this good running back we have at all. I, I'd like to see him. You know, I'd like to see Bijan split out quite a bit. Sure, I want to see him. I want to see him have a hundred targets. That'd be cool. Um, I'm I'm kind of excited for this team. Yeah, I am too. That's, that said, everything I just said could super not work mm-hmm. because you have a hundred new pieces on defense that can fall apart like a house of cards in a hurry. We don't actually know that Arthur Smith is planning something smart. We don't. <laughs> act, we haven't actually. I, seen everything it. I've seen and heard in all those press, like I really like this. I, guy. I can't he's find good. anything. I can't yeah, find anything good. negative, which kind of worries me. <laughs> you were you you want to know where the bodies are buried? Okay. Um, all right. Well, the uh, the it, it was a really interesting arc that the Falcons have gone on now, because the Kyle Pitts draft. There were some good quarterbacks in that draft. There were some good wide receivers in that draft, and you elected to take Kyle Pitts, and it was a little bit of a hmm. What's the plan here? We're really using top four draft capital and tight end. Okay. Uh, what's the long arc here? Year two going and getting more young offensive talent, but continuing to kind of neglect the wide receiver the, uh, quarterback position was weird. Um, and so this off season, it was kind of a fascinating in like March before they kind of made their <clears throat> decision-making known through free agency. What were they going to do? Like, they could have used all the free agency money that they had and all the flexibility that they had with their roster and gone and gotten Lamar Jackson. But they elected instead to uh, try the um, the Jalen Hurts route and see if that this team if this team can succeed 
walking to the beat of their own drum with a quarterback on a rookie deal who they are, you know, compensating very little, but asking not much of, then that's kind of an interesting way to try to win in today's NFL. And they're the only ones Especially doing it. Especially if you can get, and then, you know, what, what if Ritter turns out to be middle of the pack this sure. year with upside and you get him up, you get him some playoff experience, you get him, a, you know what? Playoff experience is this weird thing. Like it almost treats it so, so binarily. Mm-hmm. Is binarily a word? Sure. I'm going to call it a, a word today, but it's, you know, like uh, you can't just go zero one for priest or regular season, postseason. Like sure. there are some games towards the end of a regular season that, you know, we, we use this term all the time. We say, this is essentially a playoff game. You know, yeah, the loser does go home. Like getting, getting a few of those towards the end of the season and what probably turns out to be a tight race and then a playoff game. And you're feeling kind of good about this. I'd be pretty excited about where this team is next year. Especially if, if if a third of the pickups they made on defense work out well. Like, you're sitting in a really sweet spot. Yeah. You want to talk about 2022 at all or get to that? Because that's the interesting stuff. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Because, I mean, th- there were a lot of close games. Some of them weren't truly close. You know, they, they were a good um, sneak inside the number, try too late with some mm-hmm. heroics. But obviously with the with their style of offense, it's tougher to come from behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marietta wasn't super effective at times. They did have a lot of issues on defense. It was one of the worst defenses. It just, uh, they, they held the points. It's, uh, it's easier to hold onto the ball and not put the defense back out there when you do have an effective running game. Just funny. So many, so many parallels to Philly from a couple of years ago. It's funny how, how those keep coming up, but uh, yeah, the season was probably about where it should have ended up. Like they lost more, they on paper, they lost more close games than they won, but a couple of them weren't really close games. Like you could make a case for week one. They could have won that. But for the most part, I think if you go look at their Python, it's probably about nuts on six, seven. Yeah, that's about right. And I, I don't remember. Right I don't remember. Pythag last year was seven point nine. Yeah, they okay. went seven and ten. Okay, so they underperformed a bit, but you know, it wasn't. I didn't see. I don't remember any games where there, where it was like, God, man, how did they let that one slip through their fingers? Other than no, uh, that was two years ago. Yeah, see, so yeah, that that was kind of the the Matt Ryan era uh, Falcons, where where it was literally, how did they find a way to lose this game? I don't understand. Um, I wish we had one glaring example of that. <laughs> I guess maybe they were pretty lucky to beat the Panthers in that one game. Uh, that was what 37 34. That was a wild one. Um, I didn't watch many Falcons games last year, I guess. Now that I'm looking at this uh rundown here, they got beat by the teams they should have gotten beat by, other than I guess losing to the commanders was a tough loss. Uh, you probably I didn't, I didn't have a strong understanding of what I was going to get week for week from that offense. I no. knew what the defense was going to put out. I just didn't get an understanding of what uh, what they were going to put out and how it matched up against teams. You know, actually, I, I, I'm with you. I didn't watch a ton. I stayed away quite a bit. They were uh, white hot through the first six weeks as a covering team. Uh, they should have. Do you the, remember that people bet against this, them? Oh because yeah, because they said oh, they yeah. can't it was cover like, every game. was like Martin Galing against them. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, I legitimately, I, I almost couldn't stomach it, but I bet on them in like the sixth week or whatever. I'm like, yeah. well, I know they've covered five, but. My numbers say what they say, and I don't give a shit. Like, yeah. we're still betting them one time. I they, think uh, maybe one other time during the season I had them. They covered their first six games, 
They were three and three, including a win against San Francisco, which is pretty impressive. Um, and they then, but basically, then the top was in. <laughs> they, they lost, lost, push, lost. Yeah, Jim Jim covered, Kramer tweeted lost, about lost, the amazing win, Atlanta lost, Falcons. Lost, lost, win. Yeah, that basically they finished nine and seven, one against the spread, uh, seven to the over, ten to the under. Crazy that they had so many late in the season games that went under, even though they had such a poor defense. Considering what they invested in defensively, and if the under signal was about scheme, um, this might be one of the most spectacular under teams that we have ever seen come through the league this year. And I'm excited to um, figure out where their kind of total range lands. Um, they had totals in of 41 and a half, 40 and a half, 43, 43, 34 and a half, and 41, all in the second half of the season, all. Uh, Seven of those games I just mentioned went under. So that's pretty, those are low totals. And to go under those is this, that's telling you that there's still maybe some difficulty in pricing exactly what was going on with these guys. Combine that with a good, you know, defensive investment. And I'm excited to, uh, to see how these totals uh, mature over the balance of this season. Um, I will say that, uh, um, you know, generally, uh, uh, I, I guess I should have watched more Falcons because I really don't remember some of these games at all after they, you know, the bubble burst and uh, they lost convincingly to the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that was probably the last time I really sincerely handicapped a Falcons game for the rest of the season because I was just like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. Um, it was hard to get it was hard to get good bearings on them. And yeah. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about those defensive changes they made on the roster. Uh, that's what I mostly want to talk about today. And it's, it's interesting because the GM of the Falcons, Terry Fontenot, he made his bones on a single draft as a talent evaluator for the saints. Yeah. And what a draft it was, what a draft it was. And it's easy to say based on that one year and his participation in the scouting and selection of that draft class that the guy knows talent. Uh, it's also interesting that he waited and waited and waited to really invest on defense until this year. And the most interesting part of all, he went and got a bunch of saints, <laughs> including the saints, a defensive assistant to run it. Yeah. And so, it, I, I kind of admire these types of strategies because number one, you're bringing in guys who are quasi known quantities, at least guys that you participated in evaluating potentially you're bringing in a, an assistant who knows how to utilize those guys right away. And you're picking the pocket of somebody who's in your own division, which is pretty, uh, you know, pretty effective way to get a one up uh, on, you know, a, a you know, big yeah, time. If nothing else. Yeah. At least he's not on the other team. They bring in David Onyemata, who I have huge affinity for as defensive tackle piece. Uh, he was a Saint, now a Falcon. Um, I think that next to J, J, next to uh, Grady Jarrett, if my thesis is right that ultimately interior offensive line versus defensive tackle matchups are going to matter more this year because I just think I think the speed of the game is getting so fast that edge rush versus tackle is a little overrated in terms of mattering. Like if it's, if you're at the, if it's an end of game scenario and you're trying to come back like that, that's, that's the whole game. 
Like your pass rush, your edge beating, you know, it's a must pass situation. You got to let the play develop downfield. You don't have time to dink and dunk anymore. In those scenarios, obviously an edge is super duper important. And I know that like end of game state, like that's where the big win probability high leverage swings are. I get that. But in the first three quarters, I feel like if you can manifest the advantage with your interior offensive line against their opponent, your opponent's defense, you know, interior tackles and vice versa, then I think that's a pretty nice way to consistently create pressure, disrupt the, the you know, kind of timing and pass uh, passing effectiveness of the opposing quarterback, particularly because we have so many young quarterbacks in the league right now. Like if you can collapse the pocket and really kind of hurry up their process when the game is already moving fast for them, I think that's a really, really effective strategy. So I think pairing Anyamata with Grady Jarrett is going to be really, really fun to see that play out. And I'm excited about it. You bring in Caden Ellis as well, uh, who's a de- you know dang decent linebacker. Um, you you uh, make a trade for Jeff Okuda, who is a criminally underperformer in Detroit, but now has to, now gets to play CB2 uh, opposite a yeah, true the, blue CB1. He was, he was starting to ascend, and you know there were some injuries there as well. But yeah, like you said, the the Jared Amaniata thing. Clayus Campbell's a thousand years old, but still a little bit left in the tank. Like I graded him well last year. It yeah, it's he wouldn't still be playing at thirty-seven if he wasn't good enough to play. Sure, maybe here, but um, I mean, it's not like anybody was a sacred cow last year. I mean, they, they're replacing a lot. Uh, I'd be interested to hear your your grade on Bud Dupree. So Bud Dupree, I'm expecting to be slightly better than a replacement level edge. Yeah. Clay Campbell, I'm expecting to be slightly better than a replacement level edge. Uh, but again, like because you are going with volume here instead of just trying to get home run players, I think that's actually fine. Like if you only need Especially these guys to step up like 30th, like it's it should yeah. get better, right? <laughs> you just need these guys to show up on a couple of passing downs at the end of a game where you have a lead. And then you let your running attack do the rest. And I think this is kind of the right recipe to win games 20 to 17 in today's NFL with these guys. I, I'm perfectly fine. You, you, you're not going to get a full game's worth of snaps that matter out of Clay Campbell and Bud Dupree. You're not. That's fine. Um, secondary to me looks completely rehauled with, uh, you know, Jeff Okuda now as your CB2 and Jesse Bates, who I've always loved as a, uh, as a safety Um you now have three awesome. I mean, I said Jeff, Jeff Oku is not awesome, but as a CB2, he, is, he could right? be as a yeah. CB2 with a, yeah. a true shutdown guy on the other side. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Bates is rates out as a very good safety. Like you've taken some big leaps forward mm-hmm. in the secondary. And if the pass rush is, you know, better because some of the interior pressure and you, mm-hmm. you can get anything out of Bud Dupree, like this defense can go. It's not easy for a, any. Uh, defense or offense just pop 15 positions yeah let's go from like bottom two to right in the middle of the league and they probably have a they probably have a likelihood of you know topping out near that yeah this could be this could be in a slightly above average defense at times i like it's uh, kind of exciting I, I have a good grade on lorenzo carter uh, as one of your two off-ball linebackers, your weakest position of all of your starters is Troy Anderson, uh, who I just I don't know if he's going to be good or bad otherwise. But uh, you know, with everybody else being kind of good now, maybe that maybe his performance improves. Uh, I like some of the depth pieces. Pretty in, young too. I like a lot of the reserves too. The Falcons have the best second-string defense in the NFL. I'm sorry, second best. 
after the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo has some absolute ridiculous, ridiculously talented guys. It's funny because last year defense. they just had a second string defense. <laughs> yes, <laughs> now, all those guys that were that were second that were you know better off as second string players are your second string defense now. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's this doesn't always work out bringing in a bunch of new faces, but um, I grade not. this I grade this overall very very. Uh, very very exciting and and strong defense. I give it an A because they, they they went for it. Like it should be an A minus because I still don't know if mm-hmm. anyone should ever like basically to make the draft capital worth it. Yeah. He has to be Christian McCaffrey in a couple. Yeah, okay, years. okay. So like, so defense. Yeah, let's grade the defense the, and the strategy here first. The coach hiring. Yeah. The defensive additions. Yeah. And then everything as a whole probably B plus A minus. Okay, that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I ha- I grade these guys as a top ten defense against a neutral schedule, and not to spoil it, but they do not play a neutral schedule. <laughs> oh, they have, uh, that is the other it's half of this equation. Is really easy. Okay, we've been so talking about this with yeah. all these teams, this yeah. Week, like, there's uh, places that have this rated right now as the easiest schedule. Uh, that's You're not going to find fun. someone who does this anyway that's going to be able to get this out of the top three easiest. It is. I agree wild yeah who is the best quarterback you think they play well let's uh let's save that for the schedule and i want to actually look at it yeah um okay so i don't we didn't really comment much on the offensive line the weak spot is obviously the quarterback position what you get out of the out of him um the offensive line to me just going going real quick through the rankings here uh it is a top six unit overall top six interior for me your skill position group it's got a lot of first round draft picks who haven't quite measured up. So I have them 17th um, and your quarterback room right now is bottom five. Um, but that said, you just need to get to 20 guys. <laughs> I think that this is going to be very interesting uh, season for the Falcons. Cause yeah. Caleb, Caleb McGarry. Like, yeah. We, we talked about the player loved it. on the offense loved- on the offensive line. Uh, yeah. Lindstrom actually great. I mean, him, him and Lindstrom are right year. there, but they're yeah. kind of a unit. McGarry, yeah, your right yeah. Side. Your right side is really, really good. Uh, solid left guard and center, and very good uh, left tackle in Jake Matthews. Uh, a couple of d- decent depth too. Uh, Jalen Mayfield is a decent swing piece. He can play a lot of different positions. He's pretty decent. Um, yeah, I mean, the the big questions really. They bring in Mac Collins as your wide receiver too. He's gotten a lot of buzz for whatever reason this preseason. I don't know if he's going to be good, but uh, I grade him as fine, and it may not matter because you know you don't really want Desmond Ritter throwing the ball more than fifteen times, and if ten of those are to Kyle Pitts and and London, then yes. you know, or you know, twelve of them, six sends, yeah, send six to yeah, you know what, six to Bijan, six to London, six to Pitts, and Matt Collins gets whatever's left. That seems fine to me. Um, it's a, it's a pretty good, it's a, it's, it's a pretty good roster, I have to say. And I don't think anyone really recognizes this for whatever reason. Overall starters I have is the 11th best in the NFL, including the bad quarterback situation that they're dealing with. So good reason to be bullish. Let's look at the schedule. Best quarterback they face is Trevor Lawrence. Probably. I think maybe, so. maybe, uh, maybe Aaron Rodgers if he's got shit. Yeah, out I mean, if Aaron Rodgers is full on back, that's it's up there. But the drop off from there is 
I mean, he, I don't want to disparage Goff. Yeah, he's top ten. He threw for a lot of yards last year too, but there's not a lot of guys where it's like, ah, oh, shit. Like we put this patchwork defense together and it's holding up against you know some light winds, but here comes Hurricane Mahomes. Here <laughs> comes you know here comes uh, the Eagles. Here comes the Bills. Here comes the, the Bengals. Like there's a lot of spots where this defense kind of has time to get it figured out. And has you know a little bit of leeway playing against some probably pretty bad quarterbacks at the time. I mean, inside their own division, it's it's a you know a rookie has been and a, a retread, and the retread is graded out a lot better than you know the other two for me. So I mean, you get Justin Fields, you get uh, two rookies in a row there, Carolina Indy. It might be Trask, Trask uh, Richardson, or excuse sure. me, Trask. For Anderson Richardson, three weeks in a row. Wow. Uh, you get Arizona midseason. Who knows what we're sitting on there? You get Washington. You get Houston. You get all the rookies. You yeah, play you're all, playing all the rookies. And I know we're, we're not going to. Who, who's the backup in Arizona? Uh, it's Clayton Toon. Clayton Toon time. We're not, do, we're not doing the Toon thing, but I guess you never know what's going to happen with that Arizona team right now. So. Yeah, it's it's very forgiving from a who you play, but if you can see this, if you're not listening to the podcast, uh, in the rest column, blue signifies an advantage, mm-hmm. and they don't have even the lightest of blues. There's not even a baby. Not even a not even a mini buy. Not even a baby no, buy. They, yeah. they have a, a very much a negative a net negative rest schedule. Mm-hmm. Travel's another thing. There's no massive travel spots one way or the other. Just eh, London. Kind of, I mean, as long as they prepare for that, the, the biggest problem with that, obviously, is the fact that they're on the road the week before. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they just go like Detroit International to New York and just go straight. I, I don't know if I'd want to go back to fuck. You know, it's going to be funny. I said, I don't know if I'd want to go back to Atlanta. You know, if they're flying Delta, they might have to. That might, just <laughs> that might just be your stopover anyway. Like, no, guys, don't get off the plane. Uh, don't go home. Sit here at the Panda Express for an hour or go into fucking Heathrow. <laughs> but, no, I, I guess that would be the travel plan there. But, yeah, it's it's not great as far as rest advantage. But, uh-huh. again, there, it's not like a bunch of really bad spots. It's mostly just Tennessee off the buy. Obviously, the getting back from London and at least you got the home game there. Buy would be preferable, but home game versus a bottom three team also works. And then, uh, yeah, for the most part, just uh, those couple of cold weather games late, that's not helping as well. I don't yeah. know if we're – Carolina – Well, why? I mean, who can, what, your high-flying offense isn't going to take off? <laughs> they, wouldn't you rather have cold weather games if you were these guys? Yeah, I think I'd rather team. play. Yeah, yeah. You were, you're the 85 Bears, man, without the defense yet. Let's uh, this is yeah, this is the Dolphins of old. You had Larry Zonka back there. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's a pretty absurd number of coin flips in a row in the middle. Week six, week six to week twelve are all effectively pickums. Yeah, that's wild. Um, probably decides a lot about how your season goes. Oh yeah, and then sure. even even for, and granted, lots of things will change from now and then. Things might change between the time we say these words and when you listen to them, but 14 through 18, those are all under a field goal. You're right. 
You're right. Uh, Last five weeks of the season. One, two, and five are in your field goal. There's only three games in this whole schedule that are outside of a field goal, and they're all they're all kind of nasty road games against teams whose offenses can probably beat you. Well, those are toughies. Those are toughies, especially the the Jets. That's a good defense as well. Yeah. So the key for me with this schedule is if you take the cumulative. You take the Falcons and you you give me the liberty of of qualifying them as a top ten defense based on on paper on personnel only. I'm not comfortable with that. Top half, then Let's it doesn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can do whatever you want. I'm just you, I'm not super comfortable. You mash that with their opponents' strength on offense, and you look at what the cumulative, um, you know, strength of schedule is for this defense. It is fourth easiest in terms of where they are versus who they're playing. The only defenses that I would expect to give up fewer points over the balance of the season are San Francisco, Dallas, and Carolina. Carolina, because of the exact same situation you're in, where they're just playing a shit ton of rookie QBs. Um, I am like, you know, we did, we forgot to do this last year and I'm super mad because I had a bunch of kind of, I'm going to plant my flags on some absurd takes and and a couple of them actually came through, but we're going to do it this year for sure. And one of my absurd takes to see if it's true or not is that the Falcons are going to end the season as a top five defense on, you know, on paper yards per play points allowed. Like I think the combination of them upgrading and who they're playing is going to afford them a top five finish. And yeah, just like an unadjusted stat. Unadjusted stat, right? Because you're t- a big part of your thesis is they're playing some shitty quarterbacks. Correct, correct. So because the defense is, I mean such that's a, crazy. Yeah, but it's not be, that crazy. Be, so the other thing that's kind of crazy though is they're they play some bad rushing defenses as well. So ultimately. I have them as potentially a top six team in terms of point differential when you mash their strength of roster with their opponent's strength of rosters throughout the balance of the season and just come up with a median projection. I have, uh, and I wonder about that too. That's the other part that I didn't get into. Yeah. When I talked about, hey, maybe they're playing chess and they're just ahead of the curve because teams are building defenses around stopping high, you know, high impact passing games. Yeah. The thing is, if you see Atlanta on your schedule and you've seen Ritter struggle for six weeks, like even a team who has a quote unquote, because a bad running, a bad run defense sometimes is just being bad at identifying when the run is coming, you know, having the wrong defense out there for the wrong play or just, you know, sometimes a bad run defense is running into you know, a stretch of quarterbacks with really good pre-snap changes. Correct. Or, yeah. You know, the kind of offenses who allow their quarterbacks to do that. And they're just a smarter team than you. And you're giving up a lot more in the run game because the other team is just better at sequencing the run plays. Whereas I, I wonder about that too, with some of these, you know, quote unquote, bad run defenses. If you go into the, with a game plan, but like Desmond Ritter beat us over the top, buddy. You know, and really just because you know, teams are going to start to, if, you know, it's if the, that, if the that's happening, if that's happening, we're talking like one seed Falcons. I'm serious. Like, if they have any kind of dynamic passing attack over the top, 
Oh, I thought you meant if, if teams adjusted them like that. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no. I'm just oh, saying, God, yeah. guys, if they if they yeah. can, if they can get like top fifteen numbers out of yeah. Ritter, like they're yeah. it's, it's it's actually a good team rather than a hey this team won a bad division because they ran the ball effectively and played shit teams. Like that's a team that can win a lot. I know there's a lot of people high on them. Um, it does just feel like this is going to be one of those funny jokes in like three months when they're maybe you know one and six because well, he, just yeah the defensive like you said you the defense you, know, you said it yourself it looks really good on paper we haven't seen them play together we haven't really seen you know what it, what it looks like as far as a scheme with the new you know the new regime at DC it might not work out yeah but this team has kind of insane upside. Yeah, and so this is the crazy thing, and I kind of had to triple check. If when I mash together, when I mash together starter Z scores, and I'm, again, I'm this is a median Z score for the quarterback of, you know, what's what's with the median Z score for the quarterback I have, um, over a standard deviation below average. I I get a point differential that is top seven in the NFL because of the schedule and because of the kind of the unique advantages they have with their opponents. The other teams they're in the mix with are San Francisco, Kansas city, Cincinnati, Dallas, Philly, Buffalo, and Atlanta. Like who's, <laughs> it feels like there's one that does not belong and it's the Falcons. Yeah. I and think a lot of that is putting, Pro- probably still just putting too much face in this defense to turn it around that quick. It, it takes a lot Could be. to just bring that I many know, different man. faces in and, and go from a 30th ranked defense to like top 10. God, dude, I mean, if, not, if you were ever going to go are... from a 30th ranked defense to top 10, yeah. uh, the only way to do it would be to replace fucking everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, th- there's a path, but and not to, not to add to the love fest because I'm trying to play devil's advocate a little sure. here to bring you down, but, Arthur Smith was pretty good as far as in-game decision making on like fourth down and and things of that nature as well. wasn't as great the year before, but he, uh, I'd have to check. He was he was doing better with that as his coaching tenure went on. So there's a lot of pieces that are starting to fall. Yeah. The tumblers, it's like the side of the lock, and the tumblers are falling in, and we're gonna break our hearts. I have them as top four matching up their offensive line against opposing pass rush. I have them top three, their pass rush against opposing offensive line. I think they're going to win in the trenches week in, week out. And that's going to get annoying people talking about it. <laughs> I can already tell you. Get uh, get used to hearing about Falcons winning in the trenches. Poor producer Dan right now. We're just, <laughs> just really, really pumping up his team. Dan had a good like, point, though. He said whoever starts in Arizona has less pressure than than, uh, than Desmond Ritter. I disagree, Dan. That Arizona quarterback will be uh, fearing his li- for his life. Uh, he's playing for his life. And, uh, you know, I, if you saw the clips of Colt McCoy and, um, so far in, in training camp, you would agree. He is, he's already running for his life with no contact drills. There's so, not even, they're not even allowed to hit him. <laughs> I'd be allowed to hit him. Um, all right. Let's look all at right, the, the odds. Because I, I haven't actually figured out exactly the right way to bet these guys yet. Um Honestly, I, I, do, I truthfully think if if you're this bullish on them, I still would struggle saying like, let's say you know the ceiling is hit. This is a 
two or a three seed. Sure. It's still hard to say, like, man, I'm I'm going to take this quarterback with he's had now 21 games of experience. If he plays them all, I'm going to take him to win three playoff games, likely two on the road. It, it's hard to envision a deep playoff run with the you know the amount of inexperience from the skill position group and quarterback. But, I mean, it's a decent-sized number. I know it's been depressed a little because other people have kind of – everybody's <laughs> been on this. Like, at this point, if, if you liked Atlanta and liked them early, you should you should have a pretty good uh, – you should have a pretty good number on them. I think at this point, mm. alt, alt total, win total overs. Like, yeah, so I think as, so, too. As high as you want to go with the – Ladder it. On like, ladder, ladder, ladder it up. Ladder it 8.5, 9.5, 10.5, 11.5, 12.5, maybe even at 13.5 if you want to get weird because it's not a bad schedule. Make the playoffs plus 104. Doesn't that feel like a free square, too? Kind of, yeah. It's, oh. uh, the wild card is not sort a of their conference, yeah. man. It's not. No, it's really not. 55 to 1 for Super Bowl. I agree with you. I don't think I can as bullish as I can possibly be, uh, a, a playoff run is not in the cards, I don't think. Uh, not this year, at least. This is the get Desmond Ritter's playoff stinker out of the way type of year. And I, honestly, the ideal situation is that the Falcons get the three seed. Everybody cannot shut their mouths talking about how they have exactly the right makeup for winning games in the playoffs. And then, you know, some absolute clown show comes to town and Desmond Ritter throws three picks and they lose. Like, that's kind of how I see the wild card weekend going for these guys, right? Yeah, as, as it turns out, like, oh, Ryan Nielsen was good. But, God, do you remember that? I, I have a different... Ryan Nielsen was good, but uh, it turns out Shanahan was still better. <laughs> oh, re- revenge game. But Do you remember oh, yeah. that quote, uh... Dion, Dion was fast, but God was faster. <laughs> That's good. I don't remember what it's from. I it's think, I think you nailed it. Ended up in my I think you nailed forever. it. This is a wins ladder team. Uh, and Bijan Robinson, offensive rookie of the year, it's going to be tough it's to chalk, beat. I think. He's going to be. It's chalk, but he's going to be tough to beat. Um, he's going to. Yeah, it's it's going to take one of the quarterbacks to beat him. I don't know if it's a great year to be. Okay piling into some of these wide receivers. Yeah. It would have to be a wide receiver that is somewhere where there's so many vacated targets and you trust that quarterback in that offense. Mm -hmm. The guy has to have a really sick year because I mean, we've said this before and it didn't happen, but once, once there's three quarterbacks that are almost certainly going to play the whole season, one of them is going to be good enough to get at least, yeah. In, in contention. So it's it's probably Bijan versus a quarterback at yeah. the price. I don't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can't figure out how to use them right away and then it starts to look like it's it's eventually you know going to turn into something where we see him getting you know, 100, 100 games where he's he's rushing and receiving like a madman. Maybe it's an ad later in the season. And maybe he just wins it anyway. Okay. So I'm, I I'm, think I'm yeah, I, I would say it's more likely that he starts hot and hits the rookie wall and you're we're shopping like he's like minus 400 in week 13 and we're like is there anyone else who could see like, what is Richardson's price? I mean, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, right. Look, yeah. Uh, that's a good exercise for you guys right now. Yeah. Just go look at the back end schedules for Indy for Texas. Indy plays Texas, a lot of rookie quarterbacks down the street. Texans and yeah. Carolina and 
We've already been through Carolina's schedule. It's not tough. No, um, I don't think there's clearly not an MVP candidate. Uh, there is not a defensive rookie of the year candidate. There's not a defensive player of the year candidate. There is no comeback player of the year candidate. I don't think there's anyone who realistically could hit any of the highs for anything offensively. Because again, like this team, I think if they score 20 in a given week, they're doing, they're doing some serious high fives in the locker room. The question I guess I have for you, Andy, is I haven't bet any Arthur Smith coach of the year. He is among the short shots now at plus 913. If this is an if this team ladder 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 ladders is he going to spoil the party and steal the coach of the year? It'll make me mad because I bet him the other year. Yeah, me too. <laughs> It'll make me. Real I think mad. you can probably do a little better than that, but probably not more than like twelve. Uh, he he has a good opportunity. I mean, this is a team that won seven games last year. It hasn't been to the playoffs for. Uh, a good stretch now. This is like a, a full, I think you get respect for being part of the rebuild. Okay. Seeing the team, you know, rise from the ashes here. It's not like they, they did have a four win season a couple of years ago. So I mean, I, they, yeah. they, they hit bottom yeah. and you're coming out. So, I mean, if you win 11, 12, 13 games, you win the division, you're a top. I don't think you need the one seed. If you're, you know, two, three seed in a tough NFC and it's like, well, the Eagles were good. The Niners were good. That was expected. The, you know the the Chiefs were good. Yeah. Uh, I wonder too if uh, a really really good Dolphins team. You know, there is a bit of a love affair with McDaniel. Sure, he's in the he's that's, at the top of the board already though. He's yeah, he, shorter, he's yeah. shorter even than Smith. Yeah, yeah, for for good reason. Like that that feels like more of a oh we. I mean that was what was well. I gotta tell you, Andy. The problem is if they get double digit wins if they're it's not double digit 10 not going to get him in the conversation he's got to be like 12 but if they get if they're 12 and 5 the amount of football hardos who are writing fluff pieces about how art smith is doing it different he's doing it the old way like oh this, you know, they prove that you can use a top pick on a running back and succeed yeah i mean there is going to be just some guys mess you know, of that and it's some guys beat to their obnoxious. own drum yeah arthur smith threw the drum away <laughs> <laughs> it is going to be obnoxious and actually that's going to help some of the you know the old school hardos are going to vote for him just because of that i think no i'm um, I'm, I'm in agreement like it uh, of all the awards, that's the one that makes the most sense for this team. There's I think most yeah. feet on offense, and um, yeah. I, I'm still my my betting plan is still the betting the latter. Yeah, I think so I'm too. still because uh, and in a way where even if it was just like a ho hum year, I still think they can, you know, surpass their win total yep. at, a, at a pretty decent price here. But I'm still very very out on a defense like this. I'm trying to find other instances where this many play, pieces were replaced because it's. It isn't always like, hey, this was this guy was plug and play. Yeah, this guy was a full standard deviation better than you know the the league average middle linebacker last year. Let's throw him with seven guys he's never played with, and then all you know it's it's one thing to do that with one guy, but when you end up doing that to six, seven, eight guys, sometimes people switch switch teams, and it's just never the same. And if you get that out of four or five of these, it's. I mean, you're kind of right back where you started. Like, oh, this is the yeah. 25th best defense. Defense yeah. has such a wide distribution. So, like, my true range outcome for this team is like six to 14 wins. I mean, is that, <laughs> is that nuts? No, that's it's no, such that's an not, easy schedule. Uh, but if the defense sucks, you're going to end up, you know, you're right gonna back end up where you were last behind year behind the eight ball, where yeah. it's like, oh, this is yeah. a running team trying to come back. Campbell and it's and, and that honestly is not that hard to 
mentally construct, right? I I went on and on about how the reserves were actually pretty deep, but if Clay Campbell and the Bud Dupree are washed, if Anyamata gets hurt, all of a sudden, like now your secondary is doing a lot of work and try and keep you in games where you can't throw your way back in, right? And they are they are a bit fragile, and some of that is just because it's still a rebuild. We're still a long way from having the final product here. I agree um, with your range, uh, six to fourteen. I love I love that range. We won't have yeah. a bigger one this year. It's a big one. Yeah, they could finish fourth in the South. They could run away with it. <laughs> it could go either direction, and I would not so be shocked. What's the game to game betting play? What what question? I if you think, can have one question yeah. answered right now about this team to put you in a position to bet on them week in and week out. What would it be? You hmm. can make it as broad and. And as cheaty as you want, I want to know their average points for games scored. <laughs> I would like to know how many games they win this year. Um, no, I think, I mean, my questions entirely revolve around how long it's going to, if they're winning, how long is it going to take people to realize that it's repeatable, right? Like the like the ideal world is this team is winning games, but they're covering barely or not at all. And people are like last year, like trying to sell them, trying to sell them, trying to sell them. And they just are a value all season long because then betting them week in, week out, week in, you know, if I bet on this team 13 times this year, just because the prices never really gets there, uh, I will be surprised. The, this is one of those teams that I just don't think people are going to buy believe in. They're not going to buy into it. They're not going to adjust fast enough because no one really thinks Ritter is any good. He's probably in a lot of people's minds the one the second worst quarterback that's going to start week one in a lot of people's minds, I would think. Maybe third. Depends on how that's I feel about how I guess. baseline. Yeah. We haven't yeah. seen much. I, I mean, no. everybody who evaluates film and – tried their hardest to evaluate the little they saw said he did improve, but you should probably throw out some numbers from week 18. Of course the bucks didn't play starters. So yeah, to answer your question. Yeah. To answer your question, what would I want? Like, like if I could, I'm not going to cheat. I just want some data. Like give me like a, you know, pressure rate for this. Off, pressure for this rate, sack rate. Yeah. Sack rate. Sack. Yeah. Sack numbers. Uh, Cause I feel like if that clicks, if those guys are getting are getting good a solid pressure, the Falcons are going to be a great bet every week. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, what else, Andy. Plus one, plus one and a half, dogs. What a teaser leg! It's a teaser season. Holy, oh, hell. holy hell! Holy hell! One and half, again, two, two and a half. This oh my god! Three. Do you yeah. remember when I tweeted that out? I said, I wish someone would open up the the line for the hall of fame game. So I could tease it with chiefs plus two and a half. I do remember that. Like the super bowl. <laughs> um, yeah, of course it's, so it's sitting in the teaser zone for the Browns. Of course. Like that would have just been a banger. And obviously the chiefs <laughs> covered. So I got half the, line. I know I just, I was, I was not going to leave a teaser open for six months. <laughs> not like, even just, for the, uh, not, even, can't, for the not even for the lulls. I thought okay. about it, but um, um, that's probably all I have on the Falcons. Yeah. Then. yeah I think I, I realistically, this might be one of those teams that covers their teaser leg 
15 out of 17 games. <laughs> Every game is going to be in the lower scoring side of things. Every game is going to be kind of small margins. And I think they're built to put away a lead with the running attack and the pass rush they got here. So hopes are high. Could be fun. Fly Falcons fly. <laughs> I'm sure they have an actual motto that I just don't know, but dirty birds, something dirty birds. I don't know what their motto is, but whatever it is, go Falcons. Different area coats. Start singing Luda. All right, let's take a break. Rise up. Thank you, Dan. I knew he would come through for us. All right, let's put a bow in the Falcons and talk about the, the, uh, the favorites for the FC South. 